Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, listener question edition, where there is a lesson in every story. Each week, the team at HR Stories Podcast shares questions from our podcast audience and provides tangible, practical advice that everyone can use to get HR right. Our hosts today are management and HR consultants, Chuck Simikian and John Tallheimer. What is on your mind today? Good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We are here at HR Stories Podcast, question and answer edition, where there is a lesson in every question. Good morning, Chuck, <laughs> how are you? I'm great, of course, it could be morning, evening. You know, what, what do they say in the Truman Show? Good, good morning, good evening, and good night. You know, <laughs> we're going to cover all the uh, the the bases, and uh, maybe some of our listeners are like the Truman Show. Isn't that that classic movie? The classic. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Uh, so, <laughs> but we're doing great, John. I'm excited to be here. I love the Q and A session because these are real situations with real people uh, that uh, are managers are HR practitioners and professionals, and they they have questions. They either send them to us or they post them uh, in our HR team of one community, which is that free Facebook uh, user group. Folks, it's HR helping HR. It is It warms my heart to see all of the HR community supporting each other. Uh, we do allow people to post anonymously because sometimes people have sensitive situations, uh, but sometimes they post with their names. Uh, two of our questions today, we've had names and one is from just an anonymous poster on the HR team of one community on Facebook. Yeah, great. Uh, are you ready for the questions, Chuck? Are you ready for these questions? I Am. Can I ask the first question? Because I know you had a great answer to this when it was first posed. Sure. Ask away. What's the question? Right. Okay. This is from Brittany on uh, the, uh, from the community, the Facebook HR team of one community. And she says, she posted it out there for the group. She says, does anybody have any good ideas on how to make your indeed postings stand out and look less basic and dry. And I understand with Indeed, but any job postings, John, you know, uh, what do you think uh, could help uh, make them look less basic and dry? Yeah, and I think it's a great question because if you go to Indeed, you go to any of these job postings and you think, oh, I'm going to post my job on there, there are going to be hundreds of the same job title that you have, right? And so there's all of there. And so how do I get it to stand out above the rest? And how do I make people there? And it really goes down when I'm training this in our class and our workshops, it really goes down to why should I, as a candidate, choose you? Why should I choose your organization? Now, Chuck, you and I have been in HR, we've been hiring people for years. And there was back in the day, you would just put up an ad, <laughs> right? And a hundred people, would come back and just a apply million. for it, right? It's not happening today. People are applying, right? There's ghost bots and all that kind of stuff. But we have to make it. So why should I choose you? Why should I choose you? And so really start with what I call that bold statement, right? That why would it be good for me to work it, work for you? Now, it has to be factual, Chuck, right? We can't be like, yeah. come work for us and you'll get a new car. Um 
Well, maybe it will, right? So if some of those jobs out there, you might say, <laughs> right? But you got to figure out what it is for you there. And I always, when we do this in a workshop, I always say, okay, I want two sentences that's going to get grab my attention and then mm-hmm. suck me in to be like, oh, I need to read the right all this. But I, do I have time to give an example? Yeah, let's let's get yeah. an example. So I was um, doing this exercise. And there was a person in my course and I forgot, I forget what she was doing. Um, but so she started out, you know, great benefits, great da, 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 da. But like halfway through, she said, um, you get to work mom hours. And so first I had to qualify what mom hours were. But what she was saying is that these jobs were during school time. Right. And so mm-hmm. during school time and some that's your lead in, right? That should be up top and it should be um, maybe not mom hours. Right. Because we don't want to discriminate. Right. We want to be inclusive. But, you know, is your do you want to work while your kids in school? Right? Yeah. Boom. yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I'm interested. That's something that I'm looking for. Now I'm going to read the rest of the ad. Right. And so, again, it's like writing a newspaper, right? writing that ad in there and doing that. So that's my two cents. I know you've had experience with this, so I'd love to hear what you think as well. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, I could just put ditto, but I will give you a technical aspect about Indeed and even Monster, a few other places, they do allow you to bold uh, uh, font. So when you do that first statement or two, you could put it in bold up top. And uh, they also allow italicized too, if you want to make it stand out from the regular job posting. The one thing I always say, John, is don't make the job posting look like a job description. Okay. Don't make it look like a job description. But in regards to what you said, I'll give you an example. I was hiring nurses, nurses for a Medicare uh, supplement company. They needed nurse reviewers, right? Well, what do nurses work? They're working crazy hours for tens, the overnight shifts, late shifts, you know, and all this stuff. Hey, guess what? How about, how would you, nurses, how would you like to work Monday through Friday 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. year round with weekends off. What? Okay. You want to talk about a a bold statement up front that got attention? That got attention. And um, so things like that, exactly what you said, that's another example of uh, to play on what you said. Yeah, Um, absolutely. The other thing is – Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Okay. The the other thing is uh, the theming, theming it. So I'm now uh, functioning temporarily as the HR director down at a resort in the Florida Keys, right? So in addition to being the team at HR Stories here, uh, folks, I also do consulting. John does consulting, and my part of my consulting takes me to places where I'm a temporary HR director. And so I'm rewriting the job postings. We're in the Florida Keys. We're at a, a four-star resort, Four Diamonds. The restaurant has been recognized by uh, Forbes, and it's so I I put that up front. Hey work in the Florida Keys, check out this award-winning restaurant for Diamond Resort. Uh, This is for an executive sous chef. An executive sous chef is someone that's out there looking for their next gig, their next really great thing to put on their resume, to build themselves. That's appealing to them. The old job description said, Job title, executive chef, reports to executive chef, Uh, status, exempt. Job right. duties must do this, 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 yeah. this, and this. Yeah. Experience, <laughs> boom, boom. I'm like, what? 
Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. We're going to, we're going to, I call it zhuzhing it up. Yeah. We're going to zhuzh it up. Yeah. So I just wrote that today and uh, the, 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 the GM here and everyone, they love it. So anyways, yeah. theming it for yeah. the, the culture engagement is a big piece too. Yeah, yeah. Again, why should I choose you, right? Why should I, why should the candidate choose your organization? You have to sell it. It's mini marketing. Let's do it. So boom. Got right. it. What's All the right. second question, Chuck? I'm going to let you ask the second one too. I'm going to give you a little leeway here. This question is, is specifically for you because you are, uh, as I call you, leadership coach, guru, and you just don't play it on TV. You are one. And folks, <laughs> if you're looking for an executive coach or someone to do coaching for your folks, John's the person. So this is from Tanya on the HR team of One Community and also, I believe, a listener. Uh, she says, hey, um, uh, uh, she goes, they say, whoever they is, John, uh, Tanya says, they say that employee engagement is measured by the company's level of trust and psychological safety. Interesting uh, term there. You know, as a manager, how do you create an environment where employees can be brave, have no fear of speaking up? Could you share some examples if you have any? And I know, John, you have no idea how to answer this question. So if you need help, we'll do a lifeline. <laughs> Can I get a lifeline? Um, oh, my God. This, this is it, right? Oh, my God. I love this question. Uh, this is you. I, and I love it because I've been really working and looking at this lately. So there is a Harvard psychologist, a Harvard professor, who has been really studying teams and teaming, right? And so teams are a group of people that have been together in her eyes, been together for a long time, that kind of stuff. But in the corporate world, in our business world, teaming is when a team gets together, maybe for a short period of time, maybe for an extended period of time, but members come and go, right? So think of your typical department, somebody leaves, somebody comes. So we're really more teaming than we are a team. And mm -hmm. so, when she was looking at what makes these teams most effective, it was all about psychological safety, right? right. And so psychological safety is that ability that I can come to work and if I know, if I make a mistake or um, I do something wrong, my team's gonna cover for me, my team's gonna help me, my team's gonna support me, they're not gonna judge me, they're not gonna put me down, right? And so it's that ability to come to work and have trustworthiness and be there. And she uses the example of, I don't know if you remember this, when it was down in South America, when the mine collapsed, I think it was Columbia, uh, mm -hmm. when the mine collapsed and there was those 33 miners that were trapped, a mile underneath the ground. And right. so in terms of teaming, there were people coming from all different industries. There were people coming from all different countries and they had to solve this problem. And so there had to be this internal trust to make those things happen and do it really quickly, right? And so they did, mm -hmm. they, they ended up saving these individuals. Uh, miraculously, they did that. And so, Right. So when we think about that in the organization, we have to be able to build trust up. Right. That's the first thing. How do we build trust up? 
How do we make sure that people are there? And so then again, building that trust, having that trust is going to build that psychological safety. And it really starts with our managers being trustworthy and then also trusting their team to do their jobs. And if they make a mistake, they're, they're holding them accountable. Don't get me wrong, but they're not dinging them. They're not knocking them down. They're not, you know, speaking mm-hmm. down to them. They're trusting them and they're kind of bringing all that together. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things we can do in there. I mean, I could go on for days on this subject and I talk about it in my class, but really psychological safety is good. It's about trusting. The first thing I will tell managers in this is you have to be vulnerable, right? We have to be saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because when we do that, that allows other people to admit that they're making mistakes. And then we learn from all that and we build the team up. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, I was HR director for a uh, a company at uh, one point in my career and there was no psychological safety. Now, people were absolutely in fear and there was so much fear of making a mistake. They made mistakes and the owner of the company was just, you know, he's very calm and then he would just volcano. And it was like, oh my gosh. And so then that made even that made people even more afraid to make mistakes. And now I will tell you, there's a book out there about Netflix. I don't know if you've ever seen this or heard this, um, but they don't they don't go by the psychological. They do the thing of saying, apparently the culture is, hey, we want people to be afraid because if they're afraid then that they're going to lose their job, then they're going to do better. I don't know how that, that seems to have worked for Netflix in some ways, but I would not say yeah. that that is a long-term successful plan uh, for any, 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 any group out there um, that, uh, that wants, you know, and I wouldn't try it, but if it works for them, you know, yeah, uh, thoughts and prayers. Good job. I mean, obviously they're <laughs> successful, but how successful really are they? And how much is they using that, right? There's, I mean, again, right, we can go back to the Jack Welch Welch days where he always said, like, get rid of the bottom 10%. He said that, but that's not Mm -hmm. what happened, right? And so so I think we need to be careful when we hear these anecdotes. Oh, yeah, fear, that's the way to motivate people. Yeah, it doesn't work, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. I'm just telling you, I've been in this business too long. It doesn't work long term. Yeah. Works for a long term. And I lived it. Long term, yeah. I lived it. It was horrible. And uh, I got to the point, John, that I, I, I quit because I could not convince. I, internally, I would not talk someone else into leaving their good job to come to a job where they would be in fear all the time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, good points. Good answers. All right. Third question, Chuck. Are you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this one. <laughs> oh, my. Don't get too nervous. Uh, no fear there. Uh, <laughs> right. And so this is anonymous. This is one from our anonymous uh, vault. Um, but here it is. I work for a landscape company and we do snow removal. We hired a woman who is pregnant. One of the supervisors is worried she cannot lift snow and feels like she shouldn't be called to work. Can we ask Mm -hmm. her to provide doctor's note to make sure she has no restriction? We want to be compliant with the PDA, so the Pregnancy Disability Pregnancy. Disability Act? Is that what it is? I don't think that's right. It's Pregnancy Workers Fairness Act. They okay. may have had it wrong in the question, but that's what they're referring to. Got it. Okay. So what do you think? Well, uh, there's first of all, there's a couple of laws in re- that cover pregnancy. So yeah, there's the uh, 
pregnancy fairness workers act which came in in effect this uh this past year 2023 and there's um also as part of the uh eeoc civil rights act and an amendment uh, regarding pregnant employees and not discriminating the, the the bottom line with this one right off the bat is uh you can not ask them you know you can go ahead and you can say uh here's the job here's the job description here's the requirements here's the lifting are you able to do that if they say they can then they can you can't say well you need to prove it because uh, now you could say that if you're doing it to every employee there and it's part of a program that you're doing that but overall to go up and say and and there are plenty of cases where uh the EEOC has brought a lawsuit against a company where the company was like, oh, you can't do that. We're uh, moving you to a different job. We're moving you to another location. We're uh, we're going to we're going to um, send you home on a permanent leave, so to speak, because we don't want you to hurt yourself. And you can't do that. I remember there's a famous case from UPS a couple years ago where a package delivery person wanted to keep delivering packages. She was pregnant and UPS said, oh, no, 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 we're, we're afraid you're going to hurt yourself. Well, she sued. She lost, they lost that case. So um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is the employee has to come to you to ask for the accommodation. They have to come to you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't say, hey, uh, I, uh, how are you feeling today? Are you doing okay? Is everything fine? You can ask general questions. I mean, you know, we're all going to ask those questions. Hey, I, how are you doing? You? But overall, um, the Pregnancy Workers Fairness Act specifically says, and I'm just going to quote this. I just pulled it up. Um, co uh, covered employers, which is employees, employers of 50 or more employees, you cannot require an employee to accept an accommodation without a discussion about the accommodation between the worker and the employer. So you cannot force an accommodation on someone. That is a violation. There you go. Boom. Yeah. 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 And I agree totally. And, and again, I think it's the, the Pregnancy Workers Fairness Act. Um, is another level, right? It's another level in doing that. And so again, it's requesting that, hey, we need to make accommodations for those individuals. In this case, are they um, are they shoveling? Are they driving? You know, it's snow shovel, lots of different things going on there. Um, and again, I would just check with everyone. Okay, does everyone have what they need? Is there any concerns, anything going on? And that they do need an accommodation, make the accommodation. We, uh, I worked at a company called QVC. I might've said that once or twice. Um, and we had individuals, right? So in our control room, we had about eight or 10 people working at any shift, right? And so at times we had pregnant workers that were working in this control room. Now, the rule was that you could not have any food or drink in the control room. We found, I don't know if Chuck, if you've ever found this out, that water technology do not mix. Um, but, right? Yeah, don't pour that on your thing. But sometimes some of the pregnant workers, the doctors say you need access to water on a regular basis. You need that there, right? And so um, we would then give them that accommodation that yes, you can have a, a adult sippy cup as it were um, in there. Uh, yes. Right. And so you would have to have it covered and you can have a straw and do all that stuff. That way, if it spilled, it wasn't going to be bad. Right. And so we would make those accommodations in that area. And I, 
I think a lot of the times we see, we're looking and we're like, oh, well, well, we can't give an accommodation. Oh, it's too much. Just take time, go through the process and see what the right accommodation is. Yeah. And and by forcing and, and the Pregnancy Discrimination Act was an amendment to the so that was the first Pregnancy Act. And then we have the next one from this past year. I, ironically, uh, by forcing an employee to take another job, to do something different that they they are ironically by thinking they don't want to be in violation oh, of the PDA. Yeah. They are in violation. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, but you can have those conversations. Absolutely. But you can't force it. Yeah. Uh, so good. These are Great. three questions. I'm so uh, excited to share our knowledge, folks. We are the team at HR Stories where there's a lesson in every story. You can catch us every other week doing this Q&A segment. But when we're not doing Q&A segment, we are talking about HR in the news and we are bringing a fantastic story to you about human resources and where a company might have um, messed up, could have done better, and we break that down in kind of, I call it a true crime uh, uh, type of thing where who done it and what could they have done better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have fun, folks. We have fun. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we're at the HR Stories podcast where there's a lesson in every story. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Chuck and John always recommend using an employment lawyer or HR consultant to handle any legal concerns or HR issues. We do our best to double check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change identifying information to protect the innocent. The HR Stories broadcast is brought to you by the team at HR Stories. The team at HR Stories is designed to help anyone with HR responsibilities be better at managing the employee experience. To engage with us, go to thehrstoriesteam.com and learn more about how the team at HR Stories can support your business or nonprofit. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. <laughs>